On today's Bold Steps, Mark Job helps us see the bigger picture of the manger scene. Little would people understand that all heaven was holding its breath. The God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in unison preparing for the ultimate plan. Hundreds of prophecies declaring that this would take place at this time. The Bible says when the fullness of time had come. Welcome to Bold Steps with Mark Job, president of Moody Bible Institute and senior pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago. I'm Wayne Shepherd, and Christmas is just a few days away. I don't need to tell you that. We're continuing our series, Your God is Too Small, with a message about the perfect timing of Jesus coming. Mark, you're going to touch on the first four unique and meaningful names of Jesus. Yes, I am. And, you know, I grew up in Spain. Manger scenes were all the rage when I grew up. Uh Uh-huh. And which is great. I mean, I think it represents the celebration better than a Christmas tree. Right. But still, I remember people referring to the baby Jesus as little Diosito. And um, there's kind of this sense that we contain this little manger scene with a few angels, Mary and Joseph. But listen, the story behind it, the dynamics of this manger scene are way bigger than what most people understand. I love the title of this message, God is Bigger Than My Manger Scene. So let's get after it now with Mark Job and God's Word. Anytime a baby's born... The parents start thinking in advance, what will be the name of this child? What will we call him if he's a boy? What will we call her if she's a girl? In in past decades, uh, I grew up in the country of Spain. Oftentimes in Spain, they would name babies after the day, like every day had a saint, so to speak. And so they would name babies after the day they were born. So... If you were born on St. Paul's Day, your name was Paul. If you were born on St. John's Day, your name was John. Nowadays, people have gotten away from that, and there's books that have baby names in it. And you can get a book, and you could thumb through that book and find names for a baby. When my daughter was born... The doctors told us that her heartbeat seemed like it was the heartbeat of a boy because it was a little slower. And so we started calling, I started talking to the baby that was growing in my wife's belly as Josiah. So I'd go up and say, how you doing, Josiah, buddy? I hope you come out soon. I hope you're growing strong. And lo and behold, what I was calling Josiah turned out to be Marissa. So names are important, though, because a name is given to you, and what you will hear for the rest of your life, what you will pin for the rest of your life, what you learn how to write in a signature form, it's your name. Because your name marks your identity. Your name is what is most precious for you to hear. When you're in a classroom setting, and you hear a teacher say, Son or boy, it's one thing, but when you hear them call you by name, you listen up and and it has an impact on you. My middle name is Edward. I never liked it because when I was in grade school, I met a boy 
whose name was Edward, and I just didn't like him. He was the only Edward I had ever known, and so the only association I had with the name Edward was that boy. So I never told people my little name. I was Mark E. Job, not Mark Edward Job. Um, Names are important. Some of you were known by a certain name when you were growing up and your family called you that. Some of you were juniors. Some of you were Bobbies, but you don't like to be called Bobby anymore. You like to be called Bob or Robert. Uh, How many of you changed your name as you grew up? You're called something different than what you were called growing up. Come on, be honest. All right, a few of you now. Now you're coming out of the closet and saying, all right, just don't ask me what that name was. Sometimes we make big mistakes with names. This is a true story. I knew of a lady who married a fellow by the name of, his last name was Mann, M-A-N-N. And her name was Anita. Hi, my name is Anita Mann. And uh, sometimes there's just bad, bad pairing. So ladies, when you go get married, make sure you know that your name sounds good with the last name of the guy you're going to marry, okay? Because you don't want to... You don't want it to sound too bad. Uh, there was another lady who's, who uh, married a fellow by the name of Wright, W-R-I-G-H-T, and her name was Eileen. Eileen Wright, you know. Th- th- there's just some associations you don't want to have. But this morning I want to talk to you about a baby, a child, that was given four names 700 years before he was born. 700 years Seven centuries before this child was born, he was given four names. A fellow by the name of Isaiah. Isaiah was a prophet, not a minor prophet. He was a major prophet. That means that he had a significant impact and played a major role in the prophetic history of Israel. If you look in your Bibles and kind of go towards the middle of your Bible, usually you'll find this long, extensive book called Isaiah. It was written by a man that had this unusual, uncanny ability to be able to speak into the future. He was given words by God that were messages and words that would predict, in some cases, the future. In fact, Scripture's full of it in the Old Testament. There's actually over 350 prophecies that talk about the birth and the coming of Jesus and are very specific about where he was to be born and who he was to be born to and how he would be raised and what would happen. And most of those 350 prophecies were written hundreds of years before he was ever born. The prophet Isaiah had this supernatural ability, uncanny ability to predict wars that would happen, tragedies that would occur, In fact, he ministered to Israel during a difficult time in the Israel's history in which they were suffering persecution and there was difficulty and and, uh, turmoil and chaos that was happening in Israel and he had to speak message of doom and condemnation at times as he spoke into Israel's history. 
But in the middle of this bad news that he's given, we look at Isaiah chapter 9, and he's talking about uh, this difficult time, and the latter chap- part of the chapter is the Lord's anger against Israel, and he says things like, the Lord has sent a message against it will fall on Israel. All the people will know it. Ephraim and the inhabitants of Samaria who say with pride and arrogance to their hearts, the bricks have fallen down, but we will rebuild with dressed stone. The fig trees have been felled, but we will replace them with cedars. But the Lord has strengthened risen foes against them and has spurred their enemies on. It talks about how God's hand will be against him. And in the middle of all this bad news, almost as though interrupted by a prompting of God, by a bump of the Spirit, Isaiah says, For to you, a child is born. To us, a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Four names predicted 700 years before his birth. The place, the time, the location, the way he was to be born had all been foretold by the prophets. If you were to have been present during that time when Jesus was born... This young couple, probably in their teen years, would have gone unnoticed for the most part. They had traveled quite a ways to get to this town of Bethlehem, not because they were going to a family reunion or not because they were expecting that she would give birth in this town. They were there because they had to be there. There was a census being taken. If they weren't there, they would be arrested. So they were on a journey they didn't want to take. Who gets excited about taxes anyways? (laughs) They were there in a town really to register, to have to pay taxes, to take a census in this town that was overcrowded with people because they had to go to their hometown. As they entered into that town, Mary, great with child, Joseph, unsecure about the future, uh, they went trying to find a place, and you know the story in Scripture, as they knocked on the door of one inn, the gruffy innkeeper probably told him in no uncertain words, sorry, buddy, you should have been here earlier, This, this inn is booked. As they traveled around, there was no glow and halo about this, it's not like you see in the Movies, it's not like pictured on your little manger scene that Joseph walks around with a halo or Mary walks around with three circles around her head or baby Jesus has these flashes shooting, shooting out of his head. No, no, no. She was just a pregnant teen in a crowded city with a bunch of people who were hurried, aggravated that they had to be there. 
busy with their own issues. And as they went from place to place, they finally found the only spot that they could as this pregnancy started to take shape, as contractions started to come. They said, we have to find a place. Mary said, I think he's coming. And so the only place that they could find really for the evening was a place that was really unfit for people. It was a sheltered place really for animals, somewhat of a manger. You're listening to Bold Steps with Mark Job. We're hitting pause on today's message to say thank you to our faithful monthly supporters, Mark. They're known as Bold Partners. They make this program possible. Yes, they do. And we are so very grateful for those of you that have chosen to become a Bold Step partner. Mm -hmm. That means someone that chooses to give a monthly gift, no matter what the size, to this program. And we're getting results, aren't we? Because we're hearing of lives changed through Bold Steps. You know, we we are so excited when we hear from our listeners. Like we just got a letter from a listener named Robert who's incarcerated in Georgia. Mm-hmm. And uh, Robert, if you're listening, I hope you hear this. We were so happy to get your letter and uh, just what a great testimony Robert has. Yeah, let's take time to read the letter. I think it's important, Mark. I'll start. He says, hello, I enjoy listening to you on Bold Steps. I listen to you on WGPH, the Good News Network. I'm an inmate in Georgia, and until now, I've never had a religion. On April 8th, I asked Jesus into my life. I would like to thank you for your help in understanding the Bible through Bold Steps and hope to one day hear you in person. We don't get to go to church here, so you and a number of other pastors are my only help other than God. And I'm so lost, it ain't funny. But I'm trying, and I'm learning to trust Jesus and give all my troubles to Him. Hey, Robert, I want to say, beautiful that you have surrendered your life to Jesus. Sometimes God takes you to a place where that's the only decision, the most important decision that you can make. But he goes on, doesn't he? He does. He goes on and he says, I do pick up my cross every day and follow Jesus. I read my new Bible every day as well. Since I was 13 years old, I have been an addict and have been in and out of prison since 18 years old. I'm tired of hurting people. I just want to do better and want to go to heaven one day. You know, Robert, let me just say this. No matter what you've done, No matter how long you were there, I want to tell you that the blood of Jesus washes and cleanses you. Yes, it does. And um, this is a new beginning for you, Robert. This is a new start. And hey, Robert, we're so excited that you're growing in Christ. And I hope that you've already received the books that we sent you recently to help you in your walk with God. If you haven't, they're on their way. We can guarantee that. All right. Thank you. And you know what? Robert is thanking all of our bold partners, not just us, Mark. That's the truth of this. Yeah. And we want to say thank you, bold partners, because you help us reach Reach out to people like Robert and so many others around the U.S. and now more and more other parts of the world. Partner with us if you would. Start at boldstepsradio.org. Boldstepsradio.org. All right, let's continue Mark's teaching now. God is bigger than my manger scene. But little would you understand or note that in this moment, something of eternal significance, of life-changing proportion was taking place. Little would people understand that all heaven was holding its breath, that all the created beings were watching intently at this that was about to occur, that all demons in hell and Satan himself were watching, 
There was rumblings in the underworld. There was elations in the heavenly realm. The God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in unison preparing for the ultimate plan that had been in progress from centuries before. Thousands of years predicted that this moment would come. Hundreds of prophecies declaring that this would take place at this time. The Bible says when the fullness of time had come. Some people have asked themselves, well, why did he have to be born then? Why not a hundred years before? Why not a hundred years after? Scripture says the fullness of time. When something becomes ripe, you don't want to let it go too far over. You don't want to pluck it too far. There's a time where it's just perfect. It's just ripe. It's the perfect time. When the fullness of time had come, now as we look back just from a historical perspective, it was the right time. You see, up until the time, up until the time of Jesus, there were two major things that made this the perfect time for the coming of Jesus. Number one, up until that time, there had not been a common language that had unified the world. But as the Romans had taken over most of the world at that time and conquered most of the known world, they had brought with them something that Alexander the Great had introduced, and that was the Greek culture with the Greek language. All of the subjugated people at that time were taught Greek. And so, for the first time in history, there was one language that all of the nations spoke, one language that all the people understood, It is somewhat like English is today. It was the international commercial language that suddenly the message could be communicated transcontinentally, trans-nationwide to every people group that would understand this common language in the Greek. That's why people ask sometimes, well, why why is the New Testament written in the Greek language? It was written in the Greek language because that was the language, the commerce language of the day, the the New Testament, all of the New Testament that you hold, the original language that it was written in was Greek because it was the language that everybody understood. The other thing that happened during the times of Jesus leading up to this was the international communication of road systems. The Romans had come and built roads from one side of the empire to the other side of the empire. So for the first time in history, you could travel around the known world from one place to another uh, through this elaborate road system and communication system. So they had a common language and they had a common road system, the perfect place to have the great message of the gospel deposited. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. The Bible tells us that Jesus was born in that manger. This incredible, hard to fathom experience of God, all God. The God that was there from the beginning of the heavens the God that had always existed, the God that is omniscient and the God that's omnipotent, the God that's omnipresent, this God coming in the form of a baby, being born to a virgin, coming into this earth. 
And some people have asked, well, why did Jesus have to be born through a virgin? This was all part of the plan that God has established in advance. You see, the Bible tells us that the first man that was created was Adam. Adam was created without a sin nature. It was later on in his existence that he sinned, and the Bible says that every person born from the seed of Adam has the sin nature. That means we have the propensity to sin. No one has to teach us to sin. When we're old enough, guess what? We sin because we have the sin nature. Whatever your nature is, is what you do. If you have a sin nature, you end up sinning. Adam was created without a sin nature. Every person born after Adam and Eve has had the sin nature passed down to them through the seed of man. The seed of man gives the sin nature. When Jesus was born, God bypassed the normal process of sexual intercourse so that the seed of the sin nature would not be passed down to this child that was going to be born. And so the power of the Almighty overshadowed and God deposited within Mary a different nature in this child. And although that fetus grew as the normal human child would grow, that, that, that small embryo, that small child being uh, growing in that young girl's uterus did not have a sin nature. It was necessary, and that's why Jesus is called the second Adam, because he has in common with the first Adam that he had no sin nature, and he has in common with Jesus that Jesus was born with no sin nature. Are you tracking with me? This is really important. Okay. Jesus could have never paid the all-sufficient price and sacrifice if he had sinned, if he had sinned himself. He would need a lamb of sacrifice himself, but Jesus was sinless, perfect, without a sin nature, never sinned, and therefore he was able to be the perfect sin sacrifice for us. And here's what the Bible says, that the name that was given to him, the first name, and I want to take just a quick look at these four names. Number one, he was called Wonderful Counselor. When do we need a counselor? When do we need an advisor? We only need a counselor when we're stuck. A marriage needs a marriage counselor when they come to a place of impasse and they can't solve their problems on their own. And so therefore they say, we need counseling. Jesus is called Wonderful Counselor. The first of four very important names given to Jesus. And we'll continue with the others tomorrow. You're listening to Bold Steps with Mark Job, a lesson titled, God is Bigger Than My Manger Scene. If you've missed any part of today's program, feel free to catch up anytime by visiting our website at boldstepsradio.org. While you're there, you'll also want to request your copy of this month's Bold Step gift. It's a resource that goes hand-in-hand with today's message on getting to know the different names of Jesus. Mark? Most of us know that the Christmas celebration is all about Jesus. But if we're being honest, how much of this season do we actually spend time focusing on Christ? With all of the list of things to do, the gifts to buy, it seems like sometimes Jesus ends up taking the back seat to his own celebration. And that's exactly why our Bold Step gift is such a timely resource. It's a precious and innovative devotional 
called Unwrapping the Names of Jesus. Author Asherita Chuchu helps us refresh our appreciation for the Savior by dwelling on each of the meaningful names of Jesus. This four-week devotional is full of prayers, thoughtful reflections, and fun-filled activities for the whole family. So gather beside the fire and go deeper in your appreciation for who Jesus really is. Make a choice to make this season all about Christ. Once again, the book is called Unwrapping the Names of Jesus. You can request a copy of this engaging devotional today when you give a gift of any amount to support the ministry of Bold Steps. To do that, just go online to boldstepsradio.org and make a donation and request this Bold Step gift. Or call us at 844-615-7363. That's 844-615-7363. You can also send your financial gift through the mail. Write to us at Bold Steps, 820 North LaSalle Boulevard, Chicago, Illinois, 60610. Now, before we end today's program, I want to encourage you to go and subscribe to the Bold Steps podcast, where you'll find each of these daily messages and listen whenever you want and wherever you are. Just open up your favorite podcast app on your phone or smart device and search for Bold Steps with Dr. Mark Job and click subscribe. You can also hear the program through your smart speaker at home or on any Alexa-enabled device. For more details on how to set up this convenient hands-free listening option, just visit boldstepsradio.org. I'm Wayne Shepard reminding you to join us tomorrow for the second part of our message. It's titled, God is Bigger Than My Manger Scene. It's coming up Thursday here on Bold Steps with Mark Joe. Bold Steps is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.